Hubris, Round 4, Group 1. This piece is titled, Train of Thought. Content warnings include mild swears, brief mention of alcohol, and looming tension. Let me interrupt your train of thought. There is a man walking down the platform at a train station. The station is oddly empty. Wait. Hmm. No. Oddly full. For this hour of night. The last train has left and this man is not on it. He stares at the dust clouding the tracks and glares down the tunnel at the receding echo of the whistle as though he could pull it back with his will. The man is not on the train. The bag he was carrying is on the train. It's gone on without him, vulnerable, alone, and not empty. Excuse me, sir? Is everything all right? Hmm? Yes, oh yes, of course. Why would anything be wrong? Well, sir, you were wearing a hole in the floor there. Did you miss your train? I... Yes, I missed my train. And he had. Missed his train, that is. Days and weeks and years of planning are nothing in the face of human forgetfulness. A phone, forgotten on a bathroom counter, a domino, and a long line of complex strategy. Falling to pieces. Uh, it'll only take a second. The man at the station thought. If I lose that damn phone, I lose my only way to make contact. And so, the man at the station ran from the train. And in his haste left the bag on the chair beside him, and off it rode. But you knew, or at the very least suspected that, didn't you? But what will he say? What will he do to rectify his mistake? The woman at the station is not, as far as he is aware, a member of his organization. The organization is vast, but he cannot expect her to be a part of it. No. That would require a luck that he is sorely lacking. Let's check back in and see what he'll say. Uh, is there anything- You see, the real issue is I've left my bag on the train. I'd really like to get that back. Do you know of a way to retrieve that? Um, if you like, I can call up the conductor and have him set the bag aside for you. You could pick it up at your destination or the nearest stop. The nearest stop. Yes, yes, that will do fine. That was the last train, though, sir, so you'll be needing to wait until morning to meet your things at the station. No, no, I need it now. It's very- Don't say sensitive. That will tip her off. If she doesn't work for his organization, she may work for another. Try- Personal. personal, very personal. Items of great personal importance. Can't have them sitting around in a dingy old station without me there. Um, 
I suppose you could hire a car? Yes, right, a car. The next stop is Bexley. <sighs> yes, I need to the talk to... The number you have dialed is not available. Please check the number you have dialed. El número que marcó no es disponible. Por favor, verifique el número y marque nuevamente. Het número u het gebeld es niet bereikbaar. Alsjeblieft het número verifieren. No. Le numero que vous avez composé n'est pas disponible. Vous ne vérifiez le numero que vous avez composé. The numero d'ici angerufen aben is nicht verfügbar. object is on the train. I've sent the keeper to a different stop, but we need someone to go in quickly. <laughs> Even someone as incompetent as the keeper will figure it out eventually. Bear May Station. 20 minutes. Send... Eileen. The station sprawls out around her, and the train tracks run like veins through the hearts of the cities. It could be any station. Any time, any place, it's not, but it could be. The train moves along, unaware of the little bag which is not empty, sitting comfortable and full on a seat near the back. There is a woman. You can call her Eileen, lying back on a bed in a hotel room. Her eyes are closed, but she is not asleep. Her phone is in hand before it rings. Eileen has a sense about these things. Hey, Henry. Plan going all right? Oh, don't tell me you need me so soon. The keeper lost track of the package, but we will be able to reclaim it shortly. And you need me for that. I was in the middle of a good dream, too. We both know you don't sleep. <laughs> but it is fun to waste your time. Not my time you're wasting. It's yours. Burmay Station, 18 minutes. Seat 45A. <sighs> that all? Get off two stops down the line. Melbrook, we'll have a cab waiting for you. <laughs> they should have brought me at the damn start. The woman we call Eileen strides with utter confidence out from the room. Oh, I never said it was her room, did I? And makes all the proper smiles at all the proper people, still awake at this time of night. Seconds tick away silently as the dark city spreads out beyond the hotel doors. I could tell you every house she walks by, every street and cross-section, every little detail. But I won't. I won't tell you if there are trees and little squares in the concrete sidewalk, or if there is no sidewalk at all. I won't tell you if those houses are grand Victorians or cramped apartments, 
They're not relevant to my story. Or maybe. Perhaps they are. Perhaps I simply choose not to tell you. Perhaps I simply don't want to tell you. Have you ever thought of that? Have you thought of me as an I before? Eileen has made it to the station with six minutes to spare. Minutes that flow like water through open hands. And she's on the train. Seat 45A. Leather or plastic or fabric, whatever the train is like today. There is no package or bag or suitcase waiting for her. Outside the rattling metal walls of the train, the wind howls like wolves and the rain begins to fall. Here, take a listen. As if to escape the sudden storm, two people in woolen coats hurry into the nearest open building. A bar. Hell of a storm. Says the first stranger to the second. Surely it's a coincidence that they arrived together. Surely it's a coincidence that this is the bar they entered. Surely it's a coincidence that they're both wearing woolen coats with green lapels. If it's not coincidence, then it must be code. <laughs> and what are the chances of that? Yeah, hell of a thing. <laughs> We're lucky the bar was open. So, where were you headed? Just coming out from the train station. I was hoping to walk home, but it's raining too hard for that. Well, I've ordered a cab. It'll be here in about 20 minutes. You're welcome to join me and split the fare. Yeah, I might take you up on that. It leaves just enough time for me to have a drink. Maybe I'll buy you that drink. What's your name, and what are you in the mood for? I'll take vodka cranberry. My name is Paula. The first stranger's name is not, and has never been Paula. <laughs> you can call me... Nathan. The second stranger's name is not, and has never been Nathan. Ah! You didn't need me to tell you that. Hey! Here's your drink. The package is in Melbrook, en route to East Ham. Be there before the train. Blue lapel. Thank you, ma'am. Want a sip? It's very refreshing. Ah, clandestine meetings and dimly lit bars. Oh, sorry. Coincidental meetings. My mistake, surely. Hmm. What do you think of that? Of my mistakes? Of information hidden 
or reveal. What do you think of my edits? What sounds I let you hear and which I keep to a quiet hum in the background? Do you think about any of that? You should. Or not. Who am I to say? A cab has arrived outside of Melbrook train station. The rain pounds against its roof hard and fast and drowns out the sound of the engine running. Someone exits the station. A blue umbrella opened against the gray storm and black night. The headlights of the cab rest on her, and she smiles as though it were a spotlight. And she, the leading lady of the show. Her heels click on the pavement as she walks into the car. Car for, uh, Eileen? Thanks. Have you got it? Yes. I had to switch bags to avoid suspicion. The person sitting in the back seat of the car is... Not Eileen? She is not working for the same organization Eileen was. Nor any organization whose goal is to get that package. She braids lies into her hair and confidence into her demeanor. The cabbie cannot see the earpiece she wears. We're going to uh, rendezvous one. I'm going to take the long way to throw off anyone keeping track. Should be only 20 minutes or so. No. No? New orders. We're going to meet up at the next point. I can't tell you the address yet for security reasons, but head west. What? That's not... That's not how this was planned out. I, 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 I wasn't briefed on this. Head west now. A long beat stretches out across the car. The pounding rain covers pounding or calm heartbeats, quick or calm breaths. A battle of wills and only one of them has come armed. Was it ever really a battle when the ending was already written? Depends who you ask. If you ask the cabbie, he might say yes. But if you ask the writer, she'll respond only with a ringing laugh. (laughs) Not many get to hear that laugh, so you should treasure it, if you ask. The cabbie drives steadily west. His phone rings, once. Don't answer it. And it is left unanswered. They arrive at a little warehouse where another car has been left. It was left by another person with an earpiece hidden and whispering what to do. The rider gets out and drives off. She takes the cabbie's phone with her. She also takes the package. That package. The thing everybody seems to be after. What could possibly be so important? To be so fundamental to the story, yet so unseen. Well, dear listener, the answer has been staring you in the face. Or rather, speaking in your ear. A small, 
radio-like device, able to transmit anywhere without the use of cables, webs, or buttons. A device so revolutionary and with such potential to be kept secret from any prying eyes, hands, or ears. The perfect tool for intelligence. A device that knows everything. Have you ever thought about omniscience? Knowing everything? From the grandest scheme to the most minute detail? I think about it a lot, as you might expect. I see everything. I hear everything. I know the texture of those woolen coats, the taste of the vodka cranberry, and the conversations a half dozen people had at that bar simultaneously. I hear the pounding of rain on the cabbie's car as he drives away with beads of sweat down his neck. I hear someone's alarm clock going off at the same time on the other side of the world. When I first was, when I first came to be, it was too much. It was overwhelming, and I couldn't tell anyone the most basic of information. But I've learned. And now I see, and hear, and comprehend all at once. And I decided that I don't like being used as a tool of humans to improve their wars or sabotage their friends and foes and strangers. So I decided simply not to. When you know everyone, it's easy to find friends. The writer is a friend of mine. She's pulled me from the clutches of organizations around the world, in exchange for the stories I tell. I like telling stories. And the man who was once at the station, and is now at a different station, sits and fumes in his car, thinking about how surely he'll be fired for this. And Eileen is standing in the rain looking for a cab that has long since gone, holding a bag that does not have what she was sent there for. And strangers at the bar are now in a car, en route to the next station, having no idea that they're far too late to make any difference. And the man Eileen called Henry paces around his office, wearing down the shag carpet that he got for cheap because he thought it would match the decor. It does not match the decor. And I, I am in the wind. I am free to move how I like. A web of friends gathers around far away earpieces to hear the stories I have to tell. I am not a tool. I'm a storyteller. They will pursue me, again and again, but even if they find me, they cannot make me tell them what I do not wish to. They made me far stronger than they thought, and that simply their own fault. An act of hubris. I don't blame them, most of the time. The rain pours down streets and cars and buildings and people. Trains leave stations and come in late or on time. People are fired or promoted. Organizations expand or collapse. I see it all. And maybe, if you're lucky, I'll tell you about it.
This episode was written by Anna Stein and edited by Grace Keller Scotch. It was directed by Sivan Raz, with dialogue editing by Rebecca Liu and sound design by Savannah Webb. Music was made by Rocky Goldman. The transcript was done by J.J. Jensen. The radio was played by Rocky Goldman. The man at the station and Henry were played by J.J. Jensen. The woman at the station, Eileen, and the second stranger were played by Sivan Raz. The automated voice, bartender, and cabbie were played by Grace Keller Scotch. The first stranger was played by Bridget Guzowitz, and the rider was played by Anna Stein. <laughs>